And some of you, this might be your first time with us. Thank you for coming. My name is Pastor Scott, and we're just glad that you're here. As you came in, you should have received a program and, uh, that looks like this. And inside the program, there's a little card that looks like, look like this. And, uh, and if you take a minute, and you can put that card out. And, and as you leave today, um, you can drop it in the offering basket around. Or you can just give it straight to me. There's a blue wall out here, and I got a free gift I'd like to give you. And you can just give me your card um, that way if you like. And love to meet you after the service. And, um, and thank you for, for being here. And so today, I'm really, really excited about starting a brand new message series called Leading Like Jesus. Leading Like Jesus. We're going to talk about what leadership looks like in the real world. Now, here's the reality. Most of our churches are not great at developing leaders. And sadly, when you look around the world today, what our world needs more of is godly, great leaders. We just don't see it. In fact, I believe this. Followers of Jesus should be the best leaders on the planet. And I believe that with all my heart. Followers of Christ, we should be leading the way in this world. And here's why I believe that. It's because that Jesus is the greatest leadership model of all time. The greatest. There's not even a second, not even close, to who Jesus is. Let me ask you a question as we kind of get started here. And I just want you to play along with me, but I want you to raise your hand if you're a leader here today. Just raise your hand. I, you say, I am a leader. Raise your hand. If that's you, raise your hand. And if you're a leader and you got your hand up, you got it up high and proud, okay? All right? And, uh, and so we see some hands up. And I see some of you, though, you didn't raise your hand. And the reason why it's because you believe that leadership is a position, a title, or something that's on the org, organization chart. And I want you to learn today, as we talk about what leadership is, because leadership is not a title. It's not a position. It's not something on the org chart. Here's what leadership is, if you're taking notes. At the end of the day, leadership is influence. Plain and simple. At its root idea, at the core of leadership, it's all about influence. Which means that every person in here today is a leader because everybody influence somebody. Some of us might have more influence than others, but every person has influence. So if you're a single mom or you're a single dad and you didn't quite raise your hand, are you kidding me? You have more influence than you realize over your kids. You have influence. If you're, if you're a grandparent, and you say, you know, I used to be a leader, but I've retired. <laughs> no, no. 
you're a leader. And we need you now more than ever before as a guiding light, you know, as guidance in this world that we're living in. In fact, I, let, me, let me introduce to you to a couple in here today. And, um, and they're, they're in town, they're visiting. And uh, they have been missionaries in Peru for over 50 years. And they're just, they're just home for, for a little bit before they go back. They haven't retired. Tom and Carolyn Pace, raise your hand over here. And we're so honored. We are honored that you're here today. And, uh, and, her, her, and their daughter is uh, over here in and, and, uh, and the farmer's family, and uh, Becky and Lonnie. And uh, we're so glad to have you guys here. Leaders. They're, inf they're influencing people that were never influenced in Peru. Maybe you're a teenager. Maybe you're, you just graduated from, from high school, and, and you're wondering, you know, I'm just not quite old enough to be a leader. You see, you're a leader. You have influence. You're a leader. Age has nothing to do with it. Can I introduce you to a friend of mine? I'm going to invite him to come up here. Why don't you come up here, big guy? Andrew. Come up here, Andrew. He's a little gun shy, but he's glad to be up here. And as long as mom and dad's up here, he can hang out. Can you wave to everybody? Wave. Say hi. Uh, good, good, good. Andrew, can you tell me how old you are? Five years old. A couple weeks ago, we heard Joe Sabali. He's in charge of Love for a Child. Part of our Greater Things offering went to help Love for a Child. And they help foster kids and minister and mentor foster kids in our area. And he heard about it. Oh, mom and dad. You see, that's sad that there's some kids that don't have mom and dads like my mom and dad. You know, and kind of, he's very proud of his mom and dad. They're good people, you know. And Andrew was just like, you know, I want to do something about it. And so last weekend, you had a garage sale. Little Andrew thought of an idea. He said, you know what? Since people are going to be coming to the house to buy your junk, because your junk is someone else's treasure, right? Is that how that works? He said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put up a lemonade stand. You've got his best friend, Noah. I'm going to put up a little lemonade stand. And he wanted to raise money to give to kids that didn't have mom and dad. Foster kids. Now, little Andrew was supposed to sell cups for 25 cents apiece. See, I love this about Andrew. Andrew, you know, he thinks out, you know, for a five-year-old, he thinks outside the box. How much, how much do you charge with a lemonade cup? Two dollars. <laughs> Two dollars a cup. <laughs> At the end of the day, how much money do you raise, Andrew? A little quiet. $400 worth of lemonade. <laughs> They made more money than mom and dad did selling at the garage sale. <laughs> Andrew, you're a young leader. You have influence. You influence a bunch of people. You sold lots of lemonade to help little kids, you know, foster kids, 
to care for them. That's awesome. Let's give it up for Andrew right there. Man, I love that. You know, he saw a need and he did it all on his own and so uh, lemonade. Influence. See, every person in this room got influence. And if leadership is influence, then no one has influenced our world more than Jesus. What do you think about this for a minute? Think about how influential Jesus is. The whole entire world today keeps track of time based on B.C. and A.D. B.C. means before Christ. A.D. in the Latin means anno domini, which means the year of our Lord. And so we keep track our calendar is based, our calendar hinges on the birth of Jesus. This year, 2021, in the year of our Lord. That's how we would say it. Influence. Let me ask you this. What are the two most important and celebrated, most celebrated holidays in the planet? Christmas, the birth of Christ. And Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. And we should go on and on and on about the influence of, of Jesus. But think about this. Here we are, 2,000 years later, and we still name our kids after Jesus and his followers. Mary, Martha, Andrew, John, you know, Matthew. And at the same time, We've named our cats and dogs Nero and Caesars. <laughs> you see, no one, no one has more influence like Jesus. And when talking about leadership, instead of looking at what the world is teaching, there's a lot of ideas, there's a lot of leadership conferences you can take, there are a lot of books you can read about leadership. But I think it'd be great if we learn from the master teacher himself, the greatest leader of all time, Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to do in the next five weeks. We're going to talk about leading like Jesus. And I promise you, no matter how much influence you have, no matter how much you have, whether you have influence over your friends or your family, or maybe your kid's sport team, um, or your, you, maybe you have influence over 10 employees or 100 employees or 1,000 employees. No matter how much influence you have, I promise you by the end of this series, my prayer is that you'll be a better leader by the end of the time. And so today, I want to kind of jump into this. I want to talk about looking at the motivation of a leader, the leader's motivation, the heart behind leadership. Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23. Above all else, in other words, there's nothing more important than this. He said, guard your heart. He said, the most important thing for you and for me is to guard and pay attention to your heart. Why? Because everything flows 
from it. When we talk about leadership, we have to start here. We have to start about the why of being a leader, the motivation for leading, why you want to lead, what's in your heart. And when it comes to leadership, in this, we, we see two leadership models in this world. And there are only two, two leadership model, model. There are two motivations for people to be a leader. And if you're taking notes, here, here are two leadership models. Number one, the responsibility-based leadership. The responsibility-based leadership. In other words, you feel it's, it's your responsibility to serve and to care for the people that you lead. Whether it's your kid's sport team, whether it's your employee, your friends, you, you want to serve them. But here's the second model. It's the rewards-based leadership. You want to be rewarded by the perks and the power of leading. Now, you want a bigger salary. You want a better position. You want people who serve you to notice how awesome you are. You know, you want, you want all the accolades. You want the rewards that you think come with leadership. In fact, you think, hey, the, the higher I go the organization chart, the more fun it'll be, which I promise you that's not true, <laughs> okay? But we think that. It's, oh, man, you know, more perks and better, and I get to be a boss, and it'll be fun. That's the rewards-based leadership. And when we think about Jesus, at the ultimate leadership model, which one do you think Jesus modeled after? Was it the first one, responsibility-based leaders, or was it the reward-based leadership? How many of you would say it would be number one? I think most of us would say, yeah. Because when we look and study the life of Jesus, everything he did, he was leading out of our heart to serve. He did nothing for rewards, nothing. But so here, here's, the main, here's the main takeaway today, and I hope that, that you all download this in your heart, download it in your mind. We're going to keep going back to this a couple of times today. But if you're taking notes, when you bend down to serve, God can lift you up to lead. When you bend down to serve, God can lift you up to lead. When you become a true servant of God, when you become a servant leader, that's when you become a true leader. And guess what? When you become a true leader, people want to follow that. So let's look at Matthew chapter 20. You can open your Bible there. You can look at your handout note. Let me give you the back story real quick. Jesus did that at the tail end of his life. And he's going to die soon. He's trying to develop his 12 disciples, get them ready to, to, to take on the leadership mantle so that they can continue the mission, the transforming the world for God. All right? But, and so as Jesus is trying to do this, um, we, we see here that the disciples are not quite getting it. All right? In fact, they're, they're following Jesus because they think that Jesus is going to become an earthly king and he could have all these sorts of riches and powers. And so they're thinking that at some point, Jesus is going to take over the world, you know, physically right here. 
And, and they thought he was going to overthrow the Roman Empire and, and, and all these people, and they wanted to be on the top of the ladder. They're fighting for a position. They're trying to be number one and number two. And so here's Jesus, you know, trying to get them all set up, but they're totally missing it. And so two of Jesus' disciples shows up, James and John, and they start jockeying for the top positions on Jesus' team. And, and it's funny to me here, because when I read this, um, when, they, when the James and John, when they come to Jesus, they bring their mommy. And they brought their moms, which means that James and John were probably millennials. <laughs> By the way, if you're a millennial here today, I love you. All right? and, and get this, I believe in you, and I believe the greatest leaders, you're going to be one of them. Our future leaders are millennials because they... They have a heart. Every millennial I've met, they want to serve others. They have a heart to serve. But anyway, look what happens here. Look at verse number 20. The mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John, they came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down, asking a favor of him. She said, Jesus, I've got a favor to ask of you. And Jesus kind of sees through this, and he goes in verse 21. He says, what is it that you want? And she said, you know, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. So the mom said, you know, when you get all big and powerful and rich, I want one of my sons to be number one and the other to be number two. Why? Because the motivation for her action was based on a reward-centered model of leadership. They just want the reward that Jesus can give them. And by the way, the mom, the mom, she wants it too. Uh, don't be naive on this. She wants it too, because in this culture, if the sons get elevated, she got elevated with it. All right, so she's in it for herself as well. And notice what Jesus said in verse number 22. He said, you don't know what you're really asking for, do you? That's what he says. You don't know what you're asking for. He said, can you drink the cup I am going to drink? And she answered, well, yes, we can but they don't know what they're saying yet to. They don't understand what, what they're asking for. Because Jesus said, literally, there's going to be two people, one on the right and one on the left of me, on a wooden cross. And they're going to die. But they still don't get it. Oh, yeah, we, we want it. We want it. We want the power and the prestige. We want riches. You know, make it number one. Make it number two, baby. Come on. I want it. And notice what happens. And again, I, I, I see that it's all comical to me. Verse number 24, when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers, which means they were incredibly angry at James and John. They weren't mad. That, you know, they weren't angry for the fact that they were asked them, but they were angry because they beat them to it. They wanted to ask Jesus to be number one, number two. And so you can kind of see the power struggle for all of them trying to climb this ladder of the reward center leadership. And, and, and at this point in the story, Jesus calls a little time out. 
He's going to have a little bit of a leadership moment, a leadership conference. He's going to teach them some things. Notice what Jesus said in verse 25. He called them together. And he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. He, he, he gives them a case of a modern-day example of this time period. He said, how y'all feel about the Roman Empire? You know, the Roman Empire, they're ruthless. They're all about reward-based leadership. They're all about power from, from Caesar to the magistrates to the people in the Senate to the governors. They're all focused on building up their power, their name. They push everybody else down to get what they want. Jesus said, it's a doggy dog world. That, that's how we're living. That's, how we, that's what we see. By the way, not much has changed, has it? it it's still that way. We, we live in a world where everybody is focused on what's best for me and me alone. And the guys around Jesus is like, well, yeah, that's what we want. That's what we're asking for, Jesus. Now, I, I see here real quick, you know, the two phrases here in this verse, verse 25. The word lord it over them and the phrase exercise authority. The two different words, two different Greek words for both of those phrases. But there's a common denominator for both of those words, and that, they have a root, the same root word in both of those Greek words. And the root word is the word kata. Kata, which means to put down. Jesus said, you know all the leaders around you? They put everybody else down to build themselves up. It's a reward centered society. And the guys were like, yeah, 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 Jesus, that's what we want. We want more of that. But the next verse, we begin to see a pivot and a conversation with Jesus says four powerful words. In fact, every leader, which means every person in the room, four powerful words that you need to know. Four powerful words you need to remember. Jesus described how it is what the Gentile world and, the, and what's being modeled, what you and I see today, what's being modeled, Jesus said this in verse number 26. Not so with you. In other words, we're called to be different. What you see out in the world, the reward center mentality, that's not our world. That's not what I'm calling you to be. And Jesus gives us the alternative model to leadership. He said in verse number 26, he, says, he said this, instead, because there's a better way, by the way, there's a better way. He said, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And then whoever wants to be first must be your slave. 
two words in it first I want you to pick up on. One of those words is easier than the other, to accept. But Jesus said this, if you're taking note. He said, you want to be a great leader? First, it starts with being a servant. A servant. A servant is someone who focuses on doing things for others rather than for oneself. And when I read that, when I hear that, I'm like, you know what? I want that. I know I'm not perfect in this area. And I think most of us in here would be like, yeah, I, yeah, I want to be a servant. I want to serve. I know I got some work to do in that area, but yeah, I get it. I want to serve. I want to serve my kids. I want to serve my spouse. I want to serve the people that I work with. You know, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm around um, families, I want to serve. And I think most of us can be in agreement with that. But then, but then Jesus uses a second word, and I think it might just be a little harder for some of us to accept. Jesus says, I want you to be a slave. I want you to be a slave. And some might say, well, you know, I'll serve, but I'm a slave to no one. Really? Really? I mean, think about what the word slave means. See it in your handout notes. A slave is someone who is bound to obey the master's commands and teachings. Interesting, right? See, if you're a follower of Jesus here, and you're here today, and a follower of Christ, let me ask you this. Are you bound to obey anyone's commands and teachings? Of course you are. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're bound to obey the commands and teachings of Jesus. And Jesus is talking about leadership, right? He said that servant leadership is not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. It's a mandate. This is a creed. We're to live by this. Which means that if you lead for any other reason than to serve others, you, my friend, will never be a great leader. You'll never be a great leader. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. It's impossible to lead like Jesus if you won't serve like Jesus. Hmm. Well, lead like Jesus. By the way, Jesus is greatest leadership, greatest leader of all time. It's the model of what, what it should look like. You want to influence the world? There's nobody that influenced the world more than Jesus has. And if you want to lead like Jesus, you've got to start by serving like Jesus. Look at the way he told the disciples in verse 28. Not only did he tell us the model, Jesus lived it out. Look at verse 28. Just as the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, right? Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve as a ransom for many. Jesus saying to the guys, he said, when you watch my life, when you watch how I live, is there anything about me that made you think that I was doing it for rewards? No. Jesus said, I did everything to serve. I never came to be served. In fact, I came 
to lay my life down for the world. I want you to think about the people in your life that have influenced you the most. I want you to think about it. Think about that person in your life that has made a great impact. And I promise you, when you think about who that is, when you think about that person who's made a great impact in your life, here's my guess. It's someone that showed you. For some of you, it might be, it might be your parents that every day lay down their life for you. For some of you, it might be someone at work that gave you an opportunity when no one else was giving you opportunities. And you are where you are today because that person cared and served you. For some of you, maybe with a coach that spent extra time after practice to work on your throw or to work on your shooting and it invested more time into you because he cared for you. Uh, for some of you, maybe it was a teacher. You know, everybody, everybody else was saying to that teacher, oh, he's a, he's a loser. Uh, she's not going to ever amount to anything. Don't waste your time. But you had that teacher who ignored all the negativity and invested in you. She worked, or he worked overtime without pay. It was the overtime pay. It's sacrifice cared for you and served you. They did it for you. They didn't do it for themselves. They did it for you. Don't you want to be that kind of leader? Of course you do, but what keeps us from being that kind of a leader? If you're taking notes, what keeps us from being a servant leader? Pride. Pride. Pride says, you know, it's all about me. It's all about rewards. It's about what I want to get. It's about who's in my way that I need to destroy. It's a dog-eat-dog world. It's just how it is, you know. Pride. I see this all the time. I see this all the time. I see people say, you know, I can't do that job. That job is beneath me. That's somebody else's problem. That's somebody else's problem. You see a job that needs to be done, but you just blow it off. You ignore it. You see, being a servant leader means that it's never convenient. Being a servant, it's always inconvenient. You see a need, you say, you know what? That's okay. You're willing to get dirty. You're willing to get on your knees. You're willing to do whatever it takes to be a leader, a servant leader. That's what you do. By the way, here at Lake Point, we need volunteers in different areas of our church. I have people all the time say, you know, God, I, I, want, I, want, I want positions that I can be seen. I said, well, what the biggest need is we need someone to hang out with the two-year-olds and the three-year-olds. Ah, oh, but no one noticed me back there, God. I need to be out here with people. I need, I need a voice. I need a voice. See, God can't use that. God wants people that are willing to serve. When uh, last Sunday we had my pastor from Pensacola, Florida, Pastor Godfrey, we had to we had to get a different uh, podium, you know, because this is too high for him. Okay, that, you, you know, be right down here. So we got a different podium, but man, he got a big heart, you know. And I worked for him for ten years, 
And uh, when, we, when I was working for him, they had Sunday night church services. They don't do that no more, but they had Sunday night back then. And, and Pastor Gaffer says, Scott, I want you to be in charge of staffing and finding volunteers for a Sunday night kids program. And I was kind of a young pastor, you know, young person on staff. I said, okay, I can do that. And I thought that would be easy. Shoulder tapping, asking people to, hey, can you be a, a volunteer on Sunday night? We need someone to watch the nursery. We need someone to watch the two-year-olds. I need some people to watch the three-year-olds. And this is a church of 1,500 people. I thought it would be easy. I thought it would be easy to find some volunteers in a church of 1,500 people. Nah. Ah, oh, it was tough. It wasn't easy. And I was talking to the head deacon of the church. Clyde Sanders, what's his name? 60 years old, head deacon, good, wonderful, godly man. He came to me, and I was talking to him. and said, man, I'm having a hard time, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Clyde, having a hard time finding volunteers. I said, Scott, what's the need? And I said, well, I'm just trying to find some people that should step up. I need some volunteers in the three-year-old room on Sunday nights. By the way, I was not asking Clyde. I was just telling him my, my issues, my, my problem. I, mean, I was maybe hoping that he could help me out because he'd been there a long time. In fact, he helped build that church when, before Pastor Godfrey, they were struggling to make it and, and the bills weren't getting paid and, and he paid out of his own pocket to keep that church afloat. That's Brother Clyde. Come, Brother Clyde Sanders. I asked the brother Clyde, I don't know what to do. Clyde says, Scott, put me in. Put you in? Oh, no, you're, you're the head deacon. <laughs> you know, that, that's beneath you, brother Clyde. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I'd rather hang out with a bunch of three-year-olds than a bunch of adults. <laughs> are, are you kidding me? He said, yeah. I said, okay. I signed him up in the three-year-old department on Sunday nights. I thought first, at first, I thought, you know, he's only going to do this for two weeks. And then it could get old for him. And I get it. He's the head deacon, right? You know, he's in charge of, he got bigger fish to fry. He got more responsibility on, in other areas. Two weeks turned into a month, month turned into a year. Two years, three years, until God took him home. And every Sunday night, I peek in that door to see Brother Clyde. You know what Brother Clyde was doing? He wasn't sitting on the, there, there was a nice little lounge chair. <laughs> you know, <laughs> kick your feet up. And uh, he wasn't, he, I never saw him sitting in that chair. You know what I saw him doing? I saw him on his knees playing with the kids, playing trucks with the little boys, Barbie dolls with the little girls. And then when time for the teaching, he sat there. He wasn't the teacher. And he just said, hey, I just here to help the kids listen to the teacher teach the lesson. That was Clyde Sanders. It made an impact in my life to see a man who could have said, that's beneath me but he served. He served. The key to being a servant leader is humility. 
Humility. I love how we see humility in the life of John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist had a large crowd of people following him everywhere he went. And then Jesus showed up and stole his crowd. And a couple of John the Baptist staff members came to him to complain. said, man, John the Baptist, you've lost the crowd. I mean, you had a big crowd and everybody went to follow Jesus. You know, that's not fair. You know what John the Baptist said in John chapter 3, verse 30? He said, that's okay. He must become greater and I must become less and less. John the Baptist led out of motivation to serve others, not for rewards. Notice what Paul says about how we should lead others. And they made a connection to Jesus as a model. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3. He said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset that Christ had. In your relationship, by the way, relationship, your work relationship, your family relationship, your school relationship, in your relationship, have the mindset of Christ. Verse number six, he laid out the model. Who being in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. By the way, that's very inconvenient. That, you know, I don't see any of us, you know, signing up for that action, but Jesus did. Okay, that was his mission. He became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And remember our takeaway statement. When you've been down to serve, God can lift you up to lead. Notice what happens next. Look at verse 9. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, the only way to be a great leader, my friend, the only way to lead like Jesus is to have a heart to serve. When you've been down to serve, God can lift you up to lead. And we have to decide as followers of Christ that if we want to have lasting influence in our world, that we have to lead with a servant's heart. Because remember this, you can't lead like Jesus, until you serve like Jesus. So here's the challenge for all of us here today. Very specific challenge. I got a question for you. See on the back of your handout. What's one specific way you can start serving others on a regular basis? Starting this week, what's a specific way that you can start serving others? It might be in your workplace, might be in your home, it might be here at church, but what is it that, and how is it that you can serve others? Now, I don't know what it is for you. I pray that God is speaking to, to you like he's speaking to me. To follow after the example of being a leader, the example of Jesus, leading like Jesus. And when we're leading like Jesus, we can make a difference 
we can change the world. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your teaching. You challenge us to focus on what leadership is all about. Spiritual leadership is being a servant. You called us to serve. God, maybe there's uh, something area in our lives that we need to be a better servant in. Maybe it's in our home. Maybe at work. Maybe here at church. Wherever it might be. God, help us. Help us to say, no, it's not about me, God. I'll do whatever you want me to do. It's about you and it's about others. I'm going to love you with all my heart and soul and mind and I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. And I'm going to do it for you, God. And so God, help us today to lead like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.